Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 in the New Testament. We're going to be looking at a a familiar couple of verses here as we, as I said before, are wrapping up our small changes or small things, big difference. Small things, big difference. And as you're turning there this morning, uh, as we're wrapping up this series, I pray that you have discovered the joy in the small beginnings of your journey through 2019. We said it before, so often we look at where we're starting in whatever area we're trying to make some differences, our, our marriages, our finances, our health, our whatever, parenting skills, and we look at where we are and we look at someone who's already got it figured out in our mind, somebody who's already there, if you will. They've got the perfect marriage, they've got the perfect budget, uh, just their kids are perfect, and just everything is perfect about these people, we think. And we look at where we are, we look at where they are, and they're like, man, I will never get to where they are. I'll never be where they are. I just, the big changes and the big differences they had to make in their life, I could never do those things. But we looked at the very first week that really where we start is not with the big change. It's the small things that need to be changed. And it's the small things over time, consistently by God's grace, that lead us to the big differences. God rejoices. Zechariah 4, God rejoices in small beginnings. Why? Because he wants to see the work begin. The key is just start. Just start. Stop worrying about how it's going to turn out, how it's going to look. Just start the journey. We looked about that or at that a couple weeks ago, and then we dove into some specific things that we can see some small changes in our life. We talked about our thoughts the power of our thoughts, and not in a new age, positive thinking kind of way, okay? Because that's a new thing now, right? It's all this, you know, if you think you're wealthy, you will be wealthy, okay? Well, I'm testimony that doesn't always work, okay? Because I've been thinking for a long time, oh, no, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, right? And then I get in my vehicle, and I'm like, please start, please, please start, come on, give me one more day, okay? It's not that kind of thought. I'm saying our thoughts that lead us to dwelling on those thoughts, the thoughts that seem to want to take us captive, that want to lead us into negative situations or destructive situations, those kind of thoughts that seem to want to rob us of our joy. The Bible says that we can capture those thoughts by the power of Christ, and we can fix our mind, our thoughts on the things above. And as our thoughts are fixed on things above, not worldly struggles, but eternal perspective, The struggles around us don't all disappear, but the weight of those struggles begin to melt away. And so our thoughts are huge. We have to dwell our thoughts on the things above. And then we talked last week about our words, that we can speak life or we can speak death. Are we we giving life-giving words or life-taking words? And we talked about that last week and all the ways that small adjustments to our words can create big differences, which leads me to our key thoughts to our talk this morning. It's really been our key thought and key uh, point of emphasis all series. It's often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. It's often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. And that's true in our lives today. Now, I said it the very first week. There are some things we have to make a big change on. 
Okay, there are some things in our life that we have to make a big change. If you are here and battling with a form of addiction this morning, maybe it's drugs or alcohol, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's some other kind of an addictive thing in your life. When the minute you decide by God's grace and his strength only to say, I'm done with that, I'm not giving myself to that anymore because I'm giving myself to Christ wholly. I'm not subjecting myself to that anymore because God has shown me by his word I don't have to. I can live victoriously in Christ. I don't need that thing. The minute you make that decision, that is a huge difference. That's a big step. But I'm telling you, for most of us, it's the small things every day, a little thing here, a little thing there, that creates the difference that everyone sees and everyone wants. We said it before. If you want that marriage that you see in other marriages, it's not doing big things. It's doing the little things. It's listening to your spouse without condemnation or judgment immediately following whatever they just said. It's praying for and with your spouse. It's listening to how that spouse is doing in the things of God and you saying, hey, how can I help you in this? It's just communicating. Your kids, you want to be a better mom or a better dad? It's not the big things. It's the little things. Get involved in their life. And it doesn't mean you got to follow them around 24-7, okay? Because listen, when they get to be 14, 15, 16, that's not cool, okay? Nobody at a 16-year-old wants their dad or mom following them 24-7, okay? When I say get involved, I mean just get to know what they're interested in. And so often as a dad, I have to remind myself, my kids aren't me, So I can't just say, I'm interested in this, so they're going to be interested in this. And then get frustrated when they don't want to do that, or they're not interested in that. There's things that my sons are into that I have no desire to be involved in. Zero. I don't know how to play Minecraft. I could care less about Minecraft. Minecraft means nothing to me, okay? It's horrible. Yes, hallelujah, praise, preach, okay? But when, when my sons would tell me about something they did in Minecraft or they were reading a book about whatever and they're just like, hey, look what I built in Minecraft. Do you think I was really like, oh man, this is going to change my life. Let me just buckle up for this one because it's going to be great. No. <laughs> but you better believe I should have been listening. Man, they, they got invested in that thing. They built something. They used their imagination to create something. I need to be excited. Man, that's great. And look, that's awesome. I always followed up with, I could never do this, but that's really cool. It's just getting involved and invested in their lives. It's, it's not really the big things. It's the little things done with consistency. And listen, we're all going to be inconsistent at times. We're never going to do it perfectly. But it's the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. To start us off this morning, we're going to be talking about our daily habits our daily habits. And to start us off, I want to ask a question. How many of you would consider yourself a disciplined person? You're a disciplined person. Raise your hand. You're just, it's just part of you. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Let me keep them up for a second. One, two, three, four, five. Did I get everybody? Five? Okay, you can put your hands down. Okay, five. How many of you would say you're not a disciplined person? Raise your hand. Okay. This is the problem, okay? There's, a, according to the board, 103 people in this room right now. Five of you said disciplined. I'm not good at math, Brown City education, okay? But I'm gonna t- that's not a good percentage. 
The truth is many people would consider themselves not disciplined. And here's the truth of it. The reason you think that is because you have an area of your life that you want to be disciplined in, but you're not. And so you've taken that weak area and you've projected it over everything and said, I'm not disciplined at all. Here's the reality. Most of you, if not all of you, are disciplined. Here's why I know that. If you've held a job for any amount of time, you're disciplined in that area. Now, you may be able only to get up and go to work and be there on time. By the way, let me tell you something. Nowadays, that's huge. I'm just being real with you. I've had conversations with a managed, like, uh, I talked to one woman here, this was a while ago, she managed a subway, and a couple of them actually, and you would, this is what she told me, she said, I am surprised how many people can't just show up to work on time. She's, I mean, and it's not just kids, you think, oh, those teenagers, no, these are grown, she, one person was in their 40s, could not show up to work on time more than two days in a row. And we're not talking like, oh, flat tire. It's like a half hour. I got up late. I had to shower. I had to, you know, do my thing, have my, my cappuccino. And then I thought I would roll into work. I talked to one person. He was late for work. Okay. He said, oh, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. And he's just milling about, taking his time. And I said, what are you doing? You said you're going to be late. Well, I'm already 10 minutes late. What's another 10 minutes going to matter? This is the mindset. So yes, there are some people that in the area of work are just extremely undisciplined. But here's the truth of it. Most of us are disciplined. It's just we're not disciplined in every single area the way we want to be. Here's the other truth. Those of you that say I'm extremely undisciplined, you're actually very disciplined just in a bad way. (laughs) Can I give you an example? I hate mornings. Anybody else hate mornings? You don't like mornings. Come on, be real. Okay, morning people, you love mornings, you jump up, you're like a cheerleader in the house. Raise your hand. Okay, we hate you. We hate you. Anti-morning people hate cheerleaders in the morning, okay? Very angry thoughts run through our mind. We're going to fix our thoughts on the things above because below thought's not good, okay? I'm not a good morning person, but I've had to learn that I've got children, I've got responsibilities, I've got to get up, Right? If I don't wake up on time, my kids don't get up on time, other people don't get up on time, guess what? Things aren't happening. School is not happening on time. Breakfast, okay? Things that children need, okay? But I've disciplined myself and that my alarm goes off and I turn it off. And then I've disciplined myself to lay in bed for another 10 minutes. And then I get out of bed, okay? Here's the thing. And I'm not kidding. You think, oh, it's not always. It's almost to the dot, 10 minutes. I don't set a second alarm. I don't, multiple alarm people, you annoy me, I'm just being real, okay? I wake up to the first alarm, okay? Now, my wife is more of a multiple alarm person, and you might say, you just said she annoys you, because we have an open marriage or relationship. We talk about this stuff, okay? She knows it. We've laughed about this for years, okay? She sets like five alarms, okay? This is not, you like, oh, I can't, I'm not making it up. This is not, I couldn't write this any better than truth, Okay? So what happens at the first alarm? I'm up. So then she falls back asleep. Ten minutes goes by. Cook. Sometimes the phone gets brought into the bed, you know, because now it's by the face. Anybody else? Face people? Mm, mm, mm. That's so loud in the morning. 5.30 in the morning mm, 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 is like an air raid siren going off outside. Okay? So loud. But here's the reality. It's a negative, it's not a good discipline for me, just being me, okay? 
it's not a good discipline for me to turn my alarm off, lay in bed for 10 minutes, and then get up. And here's why I say that, because it takes me another five to 10 minutes after I'm out of bed to kind of get going. You know what I mean by get going? Like you're awake, but you're still kind of waking up, you know, getting the coffee going, getting the kids around. If I just got up, and if I changed my discipline to get up when the alarm goes off, not wait 10 minutes, that's 10 minutes I'm able to be more productive, to do more things, to get around quicker, and now I'm able to do more that day. I can get into the Word that much quicker. I can spend time with God that much quicker. So for me, I just give me that as kind of a silly example, but the reality is we're all disciplined. Some of us have good disciplines. Some of us have negative disciplines or not as helpful. Maybe that's a better word. Not as helpful a discipline as something else. This does not mean that we're go, go, go 24-7. People think discipline means doer, means always doing, means never relaxing. No. Scientists have said, researchers have said, it's everywhere. If you do less and rest a sufficient amount of time, you will actually do more. Like, there's a reason that you're supposed to have at least a day of rest in a week. That principle exists because if we go, 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 we're going to wear ourselves out. And people think, if I just keep my nose to the grind, if I keep going and keep going, I'm telling you, you're going to burn yourself out. And in the long run, you end up doing less than you would have done had you just slowed down a little bit, took your time, and actually enjoyed some rest and relaxation. So again, this has got to be a balancing. I'm not saying discipline means never resting. The Bible is very clear. We're supposed to rest. Listen, it's okay. When you get done with the workday and you're home and you've fulfilled all your responsibilities that day to just say, you know what? I'm just going to sit down for a few minutes and just relax. Zero wrong with that. I've met people that that is extremely hard for you. It is extremely hard to just relax. Usually, not always, but usually women have a harder time with this than men. I've met most guys, they can go to what's called their nothing box very quickly. Do you know what the nothing box is? Women are like, what's a nothing box? You wouldn't understand. You don't have one because your brain is always firing. I got to do this, and I got to get that. I got to go shopping here. I got to get the kids there, and that's, and the kid just threw up on the carpet. I got to clean that up, and the dog needs to go to the vet. You're always thinking. But a guy, once, we're, once we've kind of met that, we're like, we sit down, and we're just, okay? This is why men get this look on our face that frustrate women. And when a woman says, what are you thinking about? And the guy says, and a woman goes, what do you mean? No, what are you thinking about? No, really. Nothing. I'm thinking, breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in. That's what I'm thinking about. What are you thinking about? Nothing. Guys, you ever be driving down the road and you're just driving? You're operating a motor vehicle that could kill someone. Oh, where am I? Like, what's going Like, you're just in the zone driving, okay? I've actually passed places and got to, like, the next corner. Like, how, what? how did I get here? Didn't I? Oh, I guess I missed that, okay? I didn't kill anyone, stayed on the road, okay? But my mind just gone, nothing. So there's nothing wrong with rest and relaxation and vacation. I'm just telling you, discipline doesn't mean always doing, but there are disciplines we can create in our lives that help us to be more productive, more efficient with what we're doing and how God is leading us. That's the key in how God is leading us. So I want to look at Romans chapter 7 because the truth is, uh, in regards to our daily habits and the discipline it takes, I want to share a statement with you that I shared back in 2018, early 2018. And the statement is this. Discipline 
is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. So, for example, if you want most to be financially debt-free, that may mean you don't get what you want now. Okay? I want to be debt-free, so I'm not going to purchase this huge item that's going to put me in the debt for five years. I'm going to sacrifice now because I want this most. This is what I want most. So discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. And I want to look at a passage that is familiar but speaks to the heart of this. Romans chapter 7, look at verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. There's a very confusing passage, but one that makes sense for all of us. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. For what I hate, that do I. You know what Paul's saying here? And I'm struggling in my daily habits. I'm not living disciplined in these areas. And I'm allowing these other things in my life, which I know are disciplines, but not helpful ones. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us this morning through this idea of our daily habits and our disciplines. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace because, Lord, we need it. We desperately need your grace because we are not perfect creatures. We have made mistakes. We have done things poorly. And we need your grace to pick us up, to move us forward. And Father, I pray that as we talk about this idea of daily habits and the disciplines in our life, whether they be helpful or not as helpful, Lord, I pray you'd give us wisdom from your word that we would not live unbalanced lives. Lord, so often we get so wrapped up at either end of the spectrum. And I pray that we would look for balance and stability. I pray we would look for wisdom. And so, Lord, I pray that as we talk about these things, Lord, that you'd give us wisdom in which habits we have that need to go. Uh, which habits that we have that need to change, and uh, how and in which way we need to create new habits. Uh, Lord, and this isn't about just those things, those annoying habits that people try to get rid of or uh, things that we don't, uh, or that we rather always think about, whether it be a habit of drinking or smoking or something like that, Lord. It's just, I believe it's so much deeper than that. And so I pray that we would see the depth of this idea that we can truly be changed from the inside out. Not behavior modification, but heart change. And heart change will lead to thinking differently, speaking differently, and living daily habits differently. And so Lord, give us wisdom in all of this, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul shares his heart with us, and that there are things in his life that he, would, he gives himself to, and those things he knows is not good and godly, and admits he doesn't want to do them. This is a huge encouragement when a guy that God used to write one-third of the New Testament says this. Paul wrote a third of the New Testament, and yet he admits in his daily life, there are things that I do that I don't want to do, and there are things that I want to do that I'm not doing. I know I want to do them, I desire to do them, but I'm not doing them. It's, it's, it's in me, but I can't seem to do it. This is a guy that is used by God to plant churches and to see things happen that no one else did following the Apostle Paul. And he admits that he struggled in his daily life. As we talk about our daily habits, we must consider that good discipline is key in living in a way that creates a godly testimony 
that brings glory to the Lord. I'm not going to really focus on specific habits this morning. I want us to look at this in a broad sense and understand that our spiritual habits dictate our daily life habits. If you're taking notes, you need to jot that down. Our spiritual habits will dictate our daily life habits, those everyday things. Spiritual habits will dictate our daily life habits. Those things that we do every day will be determined by our spiritual disciplines. So when it comes to our habits and our daily disciplines, we have a very common question. I've been there. You've been there. We've all thought this. It's the end of January. I don't know how many gym memberships were purchased in Lapeer County this last January. I don't. I'm just going to guess, though, that the gym was a lot fuller January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, then it will be February 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th. Just a guess. I was listening to the radio the other day, and I listen to sports talk radio sometimes, and these guys were talking about, they go to the gym all the time, these two guys that were on the show. And they actually said, I purposely avoid the gym the first two months of the year because it's so crowded, and there's so many people, I don't even go. And then he said, but then I like when, like, March rolls around. And you go up and look, all the machines are available again. There's no weight on anything, okay? The question we ask when it comes to our habits and our daily disciplines is, why am I so inconsistent? Why am I so inconsistent? Look at Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 20. It says here, For I know that in me, this is again the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome, and he's encouraging them. He says in verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in my person, dwells no good thing. Listen to what he says. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. What's he saying? For to will, I desire it, and I want to do this, but I can't figure out how to do it. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Why are we so inconsistent? The answer is not in you. And in fact, I believe our inconsistency comes from us. It's because we are fallen creatures. We have a sin nature. And our flesh and the spirit of God that is indwelling us through Christ Jesus is at war and battling and fighting and pushing and pulling. And when we have those inconsistent moments, the Apostle Paul says, it's because of what's in me was coming out. I I was allowing the flesh to rule and reign in that moment. The truth is, you cannot be self-disciplined. Because anything in and only of you is in the flesh and therefore not able to do what is right. Why am I so inconsistent? Because I'm trying to be self-disciplined. The reason I am tempted to live in a way that is contrary to God's word and will is because my natural bent is away from the things of God. The truth is God wants what's best for me. The best for my marriage, the best for my finances, the best for my free time, the best for my family, the best for my body, for my mind, and my possessions. And you might say, what does the best mean? Does that mean an overabundance of things? No. The best could best be defined as most glorifying to him. 
God wants what is best for you in all the areas of your life. We have a habit, and I've said this so many times, but I still see it in Christianity. We have a habit to think that the Christian life is separate from the rest of my life. That there's this this sacred and secular aspects of my life. That what I do on Sundays is sacred, and what I do on Monday through Saturday is secular. That, That God is for Sunday, and the rest is secular. There's no God, it's just me. I I need to be good and loving and kind when I'm with Christians, but I go to work and I can say whatever I want, I can do whatever I want, I can act however I want. It's this sacred and secular mindset, and it's nowhere in Scripture that a Christian breaks away from, well, I don't know what that word was, detaches, that's the word I was trying to say, that he detaches himself from the things of God. There is no sacred and secular. It is all intertwined for the Christian. My daily life is connected to my walk with Christ. And so if God wants the best for me, then in my finances, in my relationships, in my parenting, everything is to be glorifying to him. And as I'm focused on him, it's not self-discipline. It's keeping my eyes on him because myself is trying to pull me away. You see, the natural man wants the opposite of that. Just as God wants what is best, your natural man wants to tear you down. See, the reason your flesh is saying, buy that, buy that, buy that, buy that, buy that, just enjoy now, is because when you're in debt up to your eyeballs for the next 35, 40 years of your life, and you're chained to Visa, to Bank of America, or to whatever other company, you're not able to glorify God the way you could if you were debt-free Here's what I mean. God moves you to be generous. I would love to be generous, but I can't because all my money's tied up in debt. All my money's tied up in this stuff. And your flesh is rejoicing because you're unable to do what would be most glorifying to God in that moment. Now, you are where you are. If you're already in debt, you're in debt. You should be doing what you can be doing to get out of debt. And God's not going, oh, I can't use you till you're out of debt. My point is, if you could go back to your old self, those of you that are older that have gone down this road, that have now seen what it means to be debt-free or relatively debt-free, and you can go back and you can tell your younger self, hey, listen, don't buy the hype, right? You don't need to be 22 with a 3,000-square-foot home. You don't need three new cars as a 22, 23, 24-year-old kid out of college. If you could go back and tell your younger self, listen, stop choosing what you want now to sacrifice what you want most. I'm telling you, no, no, sacrifice the now, those instant desires, because I'm telling you, you'll want this most later. So your natural desire is to go away from the things of God. God is saying, I want the best for you. So who can deliver me? Who can deliver me? Romans chapter 7, verses 24 through 25. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I I love the way it ends this verse, and so uh, I'm just going to read it from my notes here. The New Living Translation translates verse 24 and 25 to say this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? The Apostle Paul goes on to say this. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul said that the answer was Christ in him. And that allowed him to be disciplined in the things of God. The answer isn't us It's Christ. It's not self-discipline. It's being spirit-disciplined. Surrender is the key to our disciplines. It's not self-disciplined. It's spirit-disciplined. 
when you fall, when you fail, when you don't do what God is leading you to do. You don't, you don't live in that helpful discipline. Stop wasting time beating yourself up and allow the grace of God to pick you up and carry you on. Man, we do this. We want to be disciplined. We want to be disciplined, and then we, we fall. And we're like, oh, then we spend weeks beating ourselves up how horrible I am. And the answer is in Christ. If you know Christ, let him pick you back up. Let him give you the strength to move on. We learn from our mistakes. We repent of our sin and we move forward for his glory. So how do I move from where I am to where God wants me to be? How do I begin? How do I start with the daily habits and the disciplines? How do I move from where I am to where God wants me to be? I want to give you guys some simple thoughts here. And then actually we're going to have a couple testimonies this morning. I'm so excited about this. And so here in just a little bit, um, I'm going to go kind of quick through this because I want to make sure we have time for you to hear from them this morning. And so in a little bit, we're going to have a couple testimonies to kind of speak to this area in their own words, in their own lives, and how God is working in their situation. So how do we move from where I am to where God wants me to be? First of all, you have to understand something. This is huge. If anybody is here thinking this is truth, it's a lie. You're sitting there thinking, I, I can never, I can never move from where I am to where God wants me to be. You keep telling yourself it's, it's impossible. It's not impossible. Some of you, because this is just where you are, you need to write that down. You need to make a, a mental snapshot of that. It's not impossible. And in fact, if you will believe me for just a few moments, it's easier than you think. It's easier than you think. Three basic steps to move from where I am to where God wants me to be. You ready? This is... Super simple stuff, but I believe we overcomplicate things and we rob ourselves of the joy of the moment. The first thing we have to do is to stop. Just stop. Isn't that wonderful? Did you get that silence there for a second? There wasn't true silence because there was somebody messing with the paper. But just, do you ever just stop and just be still before God? You want to move from where you are to where God wants you to be? then just stop for a minute. Just calm yourself for a moment. Take a moment and honestly look at your daily habits and disciplines. Discover where you are. Oh God, I'm not happy where I am. You don't even know where you are because you've been moving so fast for so long. You haven't stopped. Be still. Evaluate. God, where am I with you right now? Where are my habits? Where are my disciplines? What is my thought life like? What are my words like? I mean, we got to stop and just slow down. You probably could guess the next one. We pray. We stop and we pray. Prayerfully ask God for his wisdom in which disciplines need to change and what habits need to be created. And you might say, well, okay, so I need to hear from God something new. I'll give you a little hint. It's not new. It's a it's a few thousand years old, actually. It's not new. See, so often we go here and we're like, okay, I need to hear from you, God. I'm waiting. And God is screaming. You know that, that book you hold? You know that thing on your phone, on your device? You can just open it and you can read for yourself what God has for you. You can read some of the habits that godly men and women created in their lives and how God blessed them for those things. You can also read example after example of negative disciplines in people's lives. Abraham had a discipline. He was a liar. 
He was a very disciplined liar. You might say, not Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Had many sons, had Father Abraham. You don't even, some of you are like, what's he doing up there? Okay? Not convulsing. Okay? It's a song. Okay? It's about as far as I can get into it without pain coming back to my, from my childhood. Okay? Read the, the, the account in Genesis. Abraham was very disciplined at self-preservation. Man, God, that's going to cost my life. I'll lie. That'll get me out of it. I mean, multiple times, God had to break that discipline and create new ones. Does it mean that Abraham was messed up in every area? No. And this is what I was saying at the beginning. Most of us said, I'm not disciplined at all. That's not true. You are disciplined. It's just in this one area that you think is your biggest weakness, you know you're not disciplined in, and you allow that to be projected on the rest of your life. And I'm I'm such an undisciplined person. You're not. Stop selling yourself shorts. God has done some things in your life, and he's created these things in your life, and glorify him for those things. Allow him to create new habits. But we need to pray and ask God for his wisdom. James chapter 1 says that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally. He gives wisdom freely. If you lack wisdom, you need to ask God. And after you've stopped and evaluated, you're going to lack some wisdom on how to move forward. So we stop, we pray, and then we follow. We stop, we pray, and we follow. Now, when I was writing this outline this last week, my initial thought was to use the word act. And in fact, I typed it on my computer, stop, pray, act. And as soon as I typed it, I erased it. So it's not really what I want to say there, Lord. I don't think that's really what you're trying to communicate to us this week. My initial thought was to use the word act here because we think after I pray, I act, I do. And yes, there will be movement after you pray, but I believe the word that best describes the next step is follow. I stop, I pray, I follow. The reason is because if Christ is leading us by the Holy Spirit through the word of God, then we are merely following his lead. I am following his example in scripture. And I know you have tried before and failed. Maybe when I talked about praying and reading scripture for 15 minutes a day, you thought, I can do that. Four weeks ago, I suggested to you that we can just stop and 15 minutes a day and just read the word of God. And in the course of a year, you've read through the entire Bible. 15 minutes a day of prayer, just simple, 15 minutes. Man, how would your life be different at the end of a year? And some of you sat in this room and you said, I can do that. Then you said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that, Lord. It's January 27th. And some of you, if you were honest, you'd say, Lord, I thought I could, but I guess I couldn't do that either because you've already failed. You're already inconsistent. You haven't really read for 15 minutes a day. You haven't prayed for 15 minutes a day. Not really. And you're just beating yourself up. And I just, I told you. See, I told you I can't do it. No, you can do it. You can absolutely 100% do this. As long as you're following his lead. Stop trying to be self-disciplined. Be spirit-disciplined. Fix your thoughts. Stop. Pray. Follow. See, the answer isn't in you. It's in Christ. If we are his followers, then let's stop acting and start following. As I said before, I I want to have a couple people share a testimony with you this morning. And I want them to share how in their own life, in their own way, 
that they've decided to follow Christ in an area of their life and see disciplines developed for the glory of God. They've been led by God to be involved in certain things or build certain relationships, and it's helped them to make certain decisions in their daily life. And so I'm going to have Andy Vaughn. She's going to come first and share with us just for a few moments as she is ever so excited to come this morning. And before anyone asks, I made nobody do this, okay? This is not like... I forced anyone, but Andy wants to come and share just what the Lord has heard in her heart this morning, and I'm excited to hear from her. So, so any of you that know me know this is not where I am comfortable, but um, I just want to share how God has encouraged me through the wellness revelation program that we're doing. And the biggest thing is that um, he's leading me to have a willing heart to do this because um, months ago, a year ago, I wouldn't have, I would have said, no, I can't do that. So I just, um, know that God rejoices to see the work that I've started. Um, and I know that it's because I can't focus on myself, but my focus is on him. And so when I think I need to do better, make myself better, become better, it's not about me and anything I do physically, whatever, um, working out, is not going to satisfy me unless it's what God wants for me. Um, so the body that he's given me is not, it's not broken, it's not messed up, just because my size isn't what I want it to be, um, my weight's not what I want it to be. Um, he's showing me that through worshiping him through movement and the discipline to um, choose wisely when I pick my food or to go down and work out, and to put that focus on him when I'm sweating and hating exercise and I can rejoice that he's given me the lungs, the air in my lungs and the, the muscles to do it. Um, it's just a way to worship him. And I never looked at him that way or working out that way because it was all about what can I do to make myself better? And it's not about me. And once I realized that, um, I realized that the pounds that I want to lose isn't the weight that he wants me to lose. It's the weight of the fear and the self, you know, the ugly things I say to myself that I wouldn't say to anybody else. Um, and the doubt that I have, um, he doesn't want me to carry that. He wants me to give it up to him. And, and I, so often I, I do, and then I pick it back up because I think I can do it. I can do this myself. And he's leading me and showing me that it's not for me to do. Um, so he's, um, God doesn't see me how I see me, thank God. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm learning um, to see myself as he sees me, which is chosen, loved, and cherished. Ooh. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Man, there was so much good in that. And I'm telling you guys, it, I love what she said, that it was about him. It wasn't about her and the image thing. Uh, man, I'm so thankful for uh, the ministry that teaches men and women, by the way, that, man, this culture wants you to think it's all about how you look. It's about this size or that size or this possession or that house. And, man, it's all just, it's about him. 
I just appreciate so much Andy sharing that this morning. Amen. I'm telling you guys, it's not about being self-disciplined. It's about being spirit-disciplined. Our focus needs to change. So let me ask you a question this morning. We're going to have one more testimony, but before he comes, I want to ask you a thought. I pray a thought-provoking question, but a question to think on. We talked before about your one your one thought a few weeks ago. What's that one thought you're going to dwell on? Where are you going to focus? Where do you need to change in your thinking? What's your one word kind of? Where's those words going to fall? But this morning I'm going to talk about what is your one discipline? What is the area of your life? And again, I don't want to get too specific because I want you to think about where you're at. And I love these testimonies. I mean, just appreciate Andy sharing. That's where she's at. That's where she's grown this last year and how God has moved in her life. And that's amazing. So what's your one discipline? What's your one area that you're saying, God, I need to be disciplined in this way, in a helpful way, in a positive way, not so that others would think anything about me, but that you would be glorified in this area. So what is your one discipline? What is that one area? What do you have to do now to have what you want most? What do you have to do now to have what you want most. Your thoughts lead to your words, which lead to your actions or habits. Man, we need to create good, helpful habits and get rid of habits that are destructive and hurtful. I'm so excited to have not only Andy share this morning, but I'm having Brian come, and Brian's going to share just quickly with us what the Lord's laid on his heart and how the Lord's moved in his heart just in the last so many months uh, since May, really, of this year, and even a little bit before that. So Brian's going to come and share a little bit with us this morning. Good morning, church. Does that clock have an alarm on it? Okay. Good smile. That's good. That's a small thing to be. Um, God has done so much in my life. Um, and i got to start uh, with a quick prayer to give it, glorify him that this testimony glorifies him. <clears throat> For what he's done in my life. And I just want to thank God uh, in his name, thank him. Amen. Uh, I know <clears throat> Pastor has asked me, he texted me, and I made some notes. <clears throat> Habits. <clears throat> and this is. Uh, out of the Webster Dictionary, a tendency to repeat an action in the same way, mentally, a mental condition acquired by practice. The thesaurus, it's a rut, a groove we can get into, seasoning, hardening, a bad habit, an addict. Following the beaten path, learning, get the knack of take root. These are things <clears throat> I want to do in God's glory, get in his groove, uh, acquire by practice reading his word uh, and showing others what he's done in my life. And I need to share too in May, and I promise I wouldn't <clears throat> My sister Sue opened her house to me uh, in May. 
I was a man of bad habits. I'm recently out of prison. I did six years. Um, that's another testimony I'd like to share someday. And anybody's willing to, if I can help in any way, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it, and especially about addiction or bad habits. But I'm talking about good habits, and that's in God's word that he's brought to me. Um, and, I, and I'm so grateful for Pastor and this family uh, opening their arms to me. And uh, <clears throat> just last week, uh, if you want to change the life you have, you have to change the words you speak. Uh, what was said by Pastor, uh, awesome saying. And uh, when we worship idols and uh, having false securities, we can lose all those just by practicing those the words of God um, and believing what he can do because he's already given us victory. And, uh, and that's another thing. I want you to see planted in your mind that the song, Victory in Jesus, uh, because remember that, because we already, he's given it to us. And uh, I'm not going to go back to where I was. And uh, with that being said, uh, I, I got a lot that I want to say, but I know we're out of time. <laughs> okay, well... Let me see. With the, uh, continuing with the theme of small things and a big difference. Uh, boy, the, his God's grace about and, and planting seeds again. I mean, we can plant some small seeds and get some big trees. And uh, those trees uh, as well, like an apple tree, uh, seeds come from them, and they continue just like us. We continue to uh, share God's word, not between uh, as well as between each other, but to others outside this church, this family. And I'd like to read from uh, Isaiah 48, 5. And this is from the NLT. That is why I told you what would happen. I told you beforehand what I was going to do. Then you can never say my idols did it. My wooden image and metal God commanded it to happen. And then down to verse 8 through 11. Yes, I will tell you of the things that are entirely new things you never heard of before, for I know so well what traitors you are. You have been rebels from birth, yet for my own sake and for, my, for the honor of my name, I will hold back my anger and not wipe you out. I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. I will rescue, rescue you for my sake. Yes, for my own sake. I will not let my reputation be tarnished, and I will not share my glory with idols. And these idols are bad habits. And uh, this is a good habit. And this is where 
I will continue to strive to go and to glorify God. And with that being said, that's, thank you. God bless you all. Amen. It has been so amazing to get to know Brian over the last so many months as he has grown uh, tremendously. And uh, I know he will not mind me sharing this. Brian has been uh, actively attending uh, weekly uh, our Tuesday night uh, gathering. And so uh, we are so thankful for that. No, absolutely give him a hand. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned it with um, uh, Wellness Revelation that, that it's an amazing ministry that gets people to think beyond just the the physical things that culture throws on them and think about the deeper truths of wholeness, healing, and, and just being whole physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and I'm so thankful for ministries like our recovery gathering on Tuesday nights because uh, similarly, uh, our desire is to help people to realize that those addictions, uh, whether small or great, are only going to hurt and there can be freedom in Christ. And so I'm so thankful uh, for those ministries and how they've impacted our church uh, and helped people create good habits, positive God-glorifying habits. And so uh, this morning, uh, I thank Andy, I thank Brian for just their hearts today. Uh, but I want to close kind of sharing just a, a challenge to you today. Uh, my, my closing thought to you is simply this, uh, that before you decide to create any new habit, before you decide to create helpful financial or physical changes and disciplines, maybe you want to get in shape physically or get in shape financially, I want to challenge you, as I am challenged, to begin by abiding in Christ. Let that be where you start. Abide in Christ daily. And as you abide in Christ daily, Jesus says you will be abiding in his word. If we want to be his disciples, his followers. By the way, that's the goal of the Christian life, is it not? We exist as followers of Christ to follow him as his disciple, to make disciples and bring glory to his name. The Westminster Confession says it best. The chief end of man is to glorify God forever, and, or to glorify God and enjoy him forever. As his followers, we're glorifying him, we're enjoying him. And if our goal is to be his followers, then we need to abide in Christ so we may follow. It's great to get in shape. It really is. It's great to get healthy, but without Christ, it will be all about your, you and your image. It's great to be debt-free, but without Christ, it will be all about you and your wealth. To have a, a good marriage, but without Christ, it's just about you and how good your marriage is. The key is found not in me, but what did Paul say in Romans chapter 7? The answer is in Jesus Christ. And so my challenge to you this morning as we close in prayer what way is God leading you? What habits need to go? What habits need to be created? But first and foremost, before you ever make that decision, are you abiding in Christ? Do you know him as your savior? And are you walking with him daily? Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? With everyone bowed and no one looking around, the band's going to come and prepare to lead us in a song of worship for invitation. And as they come, I want to ask a simple question with nobody looking around. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, then the very first decision you need to make, it's not, I'm going to quit doing this or I'm going to start doing that. It needs to be, I'm going to prayerfully consider receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to repent of my sin and trust in Christ, believing 
that he died on the cross for my sins, that he was buried and rose again, that I could find forgiveness and freedom of my sin. I can be set free and find eternal life that I'll spend with him in heaven forever. So here's my challenge and my question with nobody looking around. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, I want to pray for you. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. I won't come to you after the service or nag you in any way. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would open up your heart and you would realize his love for you is beyond understanding. He desires just to know you, to save you from your sins so you can live the life he has for you. So if there's anyone here, no one's looking around, it's just me. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone here that say, pray for me, Pastor John. I do not know Christ as my Lord and Savior. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone that would raise their hand? I don't know Christ. Would you pray for me? Amen. Right back here. Anyone else? Just put it up and put it down. For the one that raised their hand, I'm going to ask that during this time, you would just open yourself to him. That you would allow yourself that anything that's in between you and him, that you would just ask, God, would you show me your love? Thank you for the truth of your word. Maybe you're here and you didn't raise your hand. Maybe this morning you would say, Lord, I need to believe. I need to stop thinking I'm not good enough and my sin's too great. May I believe that you can forgive me. I ask that you would forgive me. I repent of my sins and I trust in Christ. I ask you to save me and I surrender my life to you. If that's the desire of your heart and you've prayed that prayer, then I want to encourage you in just a moment, you can come forward and pray with someone in the front row here or maybe you want to just come and pray by yourself and just commit that time to God. If you're here and you're a Christian, a follower of Christ, maybe you need to just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm I'm sorry for my drifting. I want to abide with you daily that you would create the new habits I need, the new disciplines. Whatever God is doing, would you just respond to him? Father, bless now this time. Bring glory to your name and your name alone. For those that need to know Christ, may they come to know you. For those that know you, may they follow you today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we spend a time of invitation? If you'd like to come and pray, there are those in the front here who will be willing to pray for you. Uh, Men to pray with men, women to pray with women. Uh, If you come up to one of us, we'll definitely pray for you. If you want to come and just pray on your own, please do that. Lord, I need you to create some new disciplines, some new habits. Would you respond to what he is doing today, however God is leading? If you need to know Christ, maybe you'd come and we can show you in God's word how you can know him. Would you respond to him this morning?